one of the keys to keeping your artistic life alive is by not getting too comfortable. I didn't want to be the expert of anything. I wanted to be the new person in town, new culture, new labor laws, new way sets run. Like I wanted to feel like I didn't know everything, like I didn't know what I was doing. Because otherwise I was just going to keep going to work and using my same bag of tricks. What was I going to learn? What, what do you learn if you're always the smartest person in the room? Nothing. listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algod. And coming up in episode 216, we sit down for the fourth and final part of our chat with actress and producer Jenna Fisher, in which she shares how one of her biggest acting regrets turned into one of her career highlights. The lessons she learned watching Steve Carell's rise to stardom, why success doesn't fix anybody, and perhaps best of all, her favorite role to date. And hint, it's not a role you'll see her playing anywhere on a screen. That and so much more is coming up in episode 216, so stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro. Yeah, that's right. I said pro. The next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character and make stronger choices, and a whole lot more, then what you should do is go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP to learn all about the great features coming in the newest version of the groundbreaking app, Rehearsal. Rehearsal Pro. It's coming in early 2016, so get ready. Reserve your copy now at rehearsal.pro slash IAP. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. AJ, Thanksgiving is in two days. I know, brah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to our team. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. I'm so grateful for this life. Hey, if you had to pick, I'm going to put you in the spot. If you had to pick one, one thing, one thing, this is your golden, your desert island golden nugget question. One thing to be grateful for. What would it be? Go. One thing to be grateful for, my family, and that includes Jasmine. <laughs> that's awesome. That really sucks. I have so many more things to be grateful for. I know. For. I know. It's like the worst oh. question in the world. And that's please terrible. don't ask me because I got nothing, man. I mean, I just, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's a, it's a good uh, season to be upon us, if you will, because as you know, um, we unfortunately, our car just broke down and it was such an interesting experience because it happened and I was like, you know, life's awesome. <laughs> life is, life is great. Like I, I, I seriously, I've nothing to complain about. Like, all right, our car broke down and we live in Los Angeles. We can figure this out. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> yeah it's not a big deal, man. Not totally. Deal. Totally. Yeah. 
So yeah. anyway, it's a good time of year for it to for it to happen. Uh, you know, we're just renting a car now to get down to uh, North County, San Diego, to go visit family for the holiday. So. Anyway. Hey, hey, man, you make, you're making it work. And I, I love that, too, because you're you're looking at this as an opportunity to, like, take a level up in your character. It's not like, mm. oh, God, this is the most annoying thing. And I'm going to complain all over social media about it. Like, that's not what you guys are doing. You're like, <laughs> no, I OK, fine. Said, what are we going to do? Yep. I literally said, maybe in the market for a used car. Let me know if you have any leads. That was my that was my post about the car breaking down. It's great. It's, I love it. You don't like you, you, it's so emotionally efficient the way you've been handling this. It's awesome, dude. I was so impressed. It's emotionally efficient. I don't it think I've ever heard that one before. Very we should start a workshop and call it emotional efficiency. Ooh, I like that. It only be guys. Only men wouldn't take that workshop. <laughs> I no, but seriously, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that one. I'm gonna mull that over. That's that's mm, mm. Mm. I'm chewing on, chewing on it. I like it. Yeah. Um, so uh, what what's up, man? I mean, I know we don't have a lot of time. We've decided to make this a, a short and sweet episode because the last part of Jenna Fisher's uh, interview turned out to be the longest part. So we have no listener questions, no picks of the week. But other than you know being just grateful, is there anything that you want to you know talk about in our little catch up here? Uh, I mean, not really. I, I went down to Florida and saw my sister get married to an, an awesome guy. And um, I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm great, man. How's the writing going? You're like ahead of schedule. Oh my God. That's right. That, I that, saw. that whole thing. Yeah. I'm at like 42,000 words right now, man. It's really chugging. It's coming along. Can and I got to say, man, one of those like bomb sound effects in here after you said that. <laughs> 40,000 plus words. Good grief, man. That's amazing. Yeah, you know. At least, maybe not a bomb, but maybe like people clapping. Like yeah. like a, like a, like an audience clapping. Like, we're like cheering for We Trevor. can do both. There, there's both. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just cool because it, it just goes to illustrate, you know, how valuable it is to just show up and do the work every single day. And it may not be like a lot. You know, every day might be different. You know, some days might be like, oh, I'm on fire and I got a lot of great stuff. And other days are total crap. But if I show up and I just commit to just getting words on the page, and I think this is true with anything. This is true with, you know, exercise. This is true with your career. This is true with learning new skill. This is true with relationships. Whatever it is, those little tiny actions accrue over time, and that's how you accomplish things. And I've learned so much just through the process of showing up every day, regardless of how I feel, and doing the work. It's, it's, it's been an extremely valuable experience for me, man. What I can't remember. I think we've even talked about it on the podcast before. But is it like Stephen King or somebody has this quote that's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not always. What does he say? Like, I'm not always the greatest writer. I'm not always inspired. But thankfully, I'm inspired at at, you know from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I am butchering this quote. (laughs) That's the that's that's the idea that that was in uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. He quotes some either some historical figure or some famous writer or person or somebody the idea being that like thankfully i'm inspired every morning at 9 a.m and the the sort of like joke about that is like well i show up no matter what and i i work i do the work and i'm finding that it very rarely do you feel inspired and then you sit down and do something that's worthy of inspiration usually it's like you sit down and do something regardless of how you feel and then you end up inspiring yourself or you know, maybe other Ooh. people. You know what I mean? That's kind of seems to how yourself. I think it's kind of like an eighty twenty thing. Like eighty percent of the time, it's it's that's how it works, and twenty percent of the time, you actually feel motivated to go do it. 
but usually it's like you know you gotta warm yourself up you gotta like you know get into it a little little a little uh creative foreplay if you will ah. <laughs> yes and there's the uh companion podcast to inside acting creative foreplay <laughs> You're oh listening God. to Creative Foreplay. You're, oh, man. Somebody's going to... We got to patent that right I now. Know. Get that domain right freaking now, man. Somebody is going to creativeforeplay.com. Jasmine's typing it in get right now. Get the Twitter handle. Get the domain. Get the Instagram. Get it all. Oh, it is purchased and parked on Bluehost. Bastards. All right. Well, moving on then. Um, yeah, so real quick. Re- real quick. What is, uh, what is, uh, what's new in your world besides handling uh, um, a car breakdown with aplomb and finesse? Ooh, aplomb. Good, good use of the word aplomb. Uh, Thank you. I, I, I have, I've had one audition. We skipped talking about it uh, uh, because we talked about Paris instead, which, um, you know, obviously was, uh, I think, the right thing to do. But, um, it was it was interesting. The, the interesting thing about it is the same casting directors that cast Life Partners. And when I was in the waiting room, uh, one of the producers of Life Partners walked out, um, and I just got to say hi to her. So I think she might be involved as well. So anyway, just you know, one of those one of those uh, things. Of course, you know, this is going to happen. Is like the people that you work with, they want to work with you again if you do a good job and you show up and you're a good person. So I don't think I booked any. I didn't get like a callback or anything, but you know. That's that was my first uh, first feature film, second feature film. So Man. you know to <clears throat> to have uh, to get an audition for the same people, the same producers, the same casting directors of a feature film that I'd done before. You know, it's just proof of the pudding. You know, proof in the pudding. Cool, man. Well, um, you know, before we jump into this interview, congratulations, by the way. I think that's amazing. And that just goes to show that you can be an immensely talented actor and still deal with the same shit as everybody else, which is uh, lots of auditions and not a ton of bookings. uh, But it's just setting up those dominoes, man. And I I know one day very soon it's all going to pay off for you and it's just going to explode. And you're like, where did all this come from? And then we'll be like, oh, yeah, like 10 years of just playing the game doing setting up those dominoes 10, 10 years to become an overnight success yeah yeah, yeah. it's coming get ready get ready because it's, it's coming <laughs> little p90x uh reference for all you x fans so uh before we jump into the interview which is a 36 minute and 57 second interview you guys it's it's really phenomenal and we didn't make it any shorter because it would not have been in anyone's best interest to shorten the, <laughs> the goodness that is that but before we jump into that uh quick shout out to vo2gogo.com the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of backstage's reader's choice award for best voiceover training four years in a row I don't think you can get much more awesome than that. You can visit vo2gogo.com slash start to get a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's a vo, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And just on a personal note, everything that I've ever learned about voiceover, I have learned from vo2gogo.com and David H. Lawrence XVII's amazing teachings and... Um, and knowledge and uh if you have any if you are vo curious in any way shape or form you owe it to yourself <laughs> you owe it to yourself to go to vo2gogo.com slash start to at least just see if there's something there you know it's uh it's really pretty amazing what he's created and i highly highly recommend it that's just a personal note he didn't pay us to say extra 
So that's kind of all we got then, I think, right? We should just jump right in and get out of the way and let Jenna have the, the mic here. Yeah, it's it, the interview definitely speaks for itself. All right. Okay, guys, we'll uh, enjoy the heck out of this, and we'll see you on the other side. regret I'm, I'm happy to say that nothing is popping to mind and then the other one was my greatest acting decision mm-hmm. well I guess I'm not going to think too hard about it and I'm just going to say what comes to mind but uh, and it's interesting to me because I think I had a regret that then turned into the greatest decision mm-hmm. so this might be an interesting story so um, the office had been on for a little while it was summertime, and I was called, and um, I was asked if I would like to throw my hat in the ring to play a role in a new Neil Butte play that was going up in New York during my hiatus. And uh, it was Reasons to be Pretty. And I read the script, and it was amazing. And it was to play the lead girl. And, um, and I spoke with the director, and I sort of pitched myself for the role, and they said, "Great, we want you to come out. We want you to, we want you to meet on this. Like we want you to do it, basically." And um, and then I got cold feet, and I turned it down, and I said no. Hmm. And uh, and that was like a really hard decision for me. Um, and the reason I said no was because there were things going on in my life at the time. First of all, um, I hadn't had a break from work in a long time. I had, when things, when things started getting hot after the office was on for a couple of years, um, every time we weren't shooting the office, I was shooting something else. There was a period of time where I was shooting the office during the week, taking a red-eye flight after work on Friday, sleeping on the plane, shooting a film in Chicago on Saturday and Sunday, flying back Sunday night and going to work Monday morning. I remember I fell asleep standing up during a fitting during that time because I did that for about five weeks. Working every single day, only sleeping on airplanes over the weekend. It was really intense. So here I was, and there was a summer break coming up, and I was going through a divorce. Also, I had literally... Like, just signed the papers. I had just moved into a new place. And, like, I barely had bought a couch and maybe a kitchen table. And I thought, wow, I I don't know if, like, emotionally I can, like, move to New York for the summer and do a play. I think I'm too tender right now. 
I think I need to circle the wagons and just stay home. And I need to like build what my new life is going to be. I chose that over this opportunity to do the play. And I really wrestled with that. The other piece of that was that my grandmother was dying and was, we were pretty sure was about to go into hospice. And so I decided, I said no to the play. I stayed in town. I built my life. I flew back to St. Louis many times and stayed with my grandmother and she did pass away. And I do not regret having that time with her. I don't regret taking that time for myself, for my family, like something that happened in those years those early years of the office was that that work was so demanding and so consuming that it left very little time for life, Mm -hmm. for the pursuit of real substantial relationships, Um, which is another reason why you shouldn't be doing it at 17 or 18. Like you should have like, like when you have like a solid family of people and a solid group of people you like go through it all with and like you're older when that success comes, when you disappear for a couple years, like people get it and they're nice to you and they still support you and they're like, don't worry, we'll keep in touch over email, you know, and, and I managed to still have the same friends that I had before the office. And anyway, that's another subject, but I, I turned it down and I regretted that decision for a long time. I really regretted it. Then years later, several years later, I got a call from Neil Butte himself saying, Jenna, I have written a sequel to Reasons to be Pretty, and I would like to straight offer you the role in the sequel if you'll come to New York uh, and do it. And at this point, The Office was ending. This was the final season of The Office. I was remarried. I had a child. I had taken the time to like rebuild my life, get my stability, get my foundation. And I thought, okay, We've always dreamed of living in New York, my husband and I. Like, my son was like 18 months old. It seemed like a really mommy-friendly job to like rehearse a few hours in the day, but then eventually you only work at night when he's sleeping. I'm like, this is great, and um, and so we did it, and that was the best acting decision I ever made was moving to New York and doing that play in in that timing. Because um, the opening night of our play was the same night that the Office series finale aired. It was very poetic. Wow, oh my God. So it was like, literally as one door was shutting, like this other was opening. And I knew that at that point in my life, as an artist, what I needed was something completely different than what I had been doing. I needed to be back on stage. I needed to have no craft service. I needed to have no trailer, no frills. I needed to carry my own lunch to work. I needed to drink bad coffee, share a dressing room with three other people. Like I needed to get back to, I had to walk to work. You know, like I just needed to, to be that again. Like that was what was going to contribute to my future success in this business. Like not staying in the bubble of TV land. And um, so that was the best decision I ever made. But it was, but it was like, you know, there was this regret because the girl who ended up playing the role in the original, that show went to Broadway. She was nominated for a Tony. And so, you know, you're watching all this happen. You're thinking that could have been me, but it also maybe it wouldn't have been me. Like she, she did the role. She earned the, the Tony, you know? So, yeah. uh, all that sort of stuff. But I it love was, that. It was cool. I, and I love that because it takes the whole person into account and it also debunks the myth of, this glamour lifestyle being like the goal 
Yeah. Because like the fact that you were like that that doesn't feed me as an artist it all does the time. Not. Like like it's time to get back to basics and brown bag my lunch and walk to work and share a dresser. Like that's brilliant. I love that. And I it validates my experience in a lot of ways because a lot of times I take the harder path mm-hmm. because I get it's just it's more nutritious. That's you know? absolutely so well said. Yeah, because it's, I mean it's not all air conditioning and you know carpool lanes all the time. It's like sometimes the bus actually is better for it is. my soul. <laughs> sometimes the bus is better for my soul. Yeah, so. no, it, yeah. it absolutely is. And so the the job that I then I uh, after that play I had my second baby and. Uh, and I wanted to not be working at all when I had her, and I took a long maternity leave, and um, and then I was offered a role on a London-based television show, and it would have meant moving the family to London for six months. And my husband and I talked about it, and we decided to do it. And again, it was part of that decision was it was a great role, but it was going to be working in a completely different system. And I think one of the one of the keys to keeping your artistic life alive is by not getting too comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to be the expert of anything. I wanted to be the new person in town, new culture, new labor laws, new way sets run. Like I wanted to feel like I didn't know everything. Like I didn't know what I was doing because otherwise I was just going to keep going to work and using my same bag of tricks. What was I going to learn? What what do you learn if you're always the smartest person in the room? Nothing. Nothing. You know, that's, I remember Greg Daniels, I remember saying, Greg, how do you get all these amazing writers on the show? And he said, when I interview people, I hire who I'm threatened by. He goes, because it doesn't serve the show if I am, if I'm the funniest guy in the room. Like I need people who make me better and who could take my job because those are the people you should work with. And so it's like, I didn't want to just sort of keep doing the same thing. I, I wanted to be the new girl in town again, and, and I thought that would feed me artistically more than anything else. So wow. that's, you know, I think there's value in, like, doing the stuff that maybe you don't think you're as good at. Whatever that might yeah. be. I don't know. You know? God, that's, that's, that's beautiful. So I love that. Hire the people I'm threatened by. Yeah. A lot yeah. of great quotes coming out of this. <laughs> I know, <laughs> really. Including that one about the bus. I like that. Um, so do we have any other questions from Twitter? I think that's it. I, I feel okay. like... I know we'll probably need to wrap up and ask our final two questions, but I, I feel like there's so much that we could talk about when it comes to somebody who was on a series for as long as you yeah. were. I'm happy that, to talk about like, that. Like that in, its, in and of itself could be like a whole separate uh-huh. interview. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, how did you get it? What's it like, you know, going to set every day? You know, um, what's life like, you know, after, you know, a, a series like that? Because, you know, it's funny... I, like I said earlier, one of the things I wanted to ask about was, you know, you said, I've reached my goal. Now yeah. what? I yeah. want, it, that was actually one of my questions is like, what, you know, what, if, when, when you, when you have that level of, of what we look at as actors of success, what's next? And, and so I think, I feel like maybe the, the, the opportunity is to just say, what, what do you, what do you feel like? was either the one biggest thing or, or a few of the biggest things that you learned over the course of that experience. When you when you sit and reflect back when you were at that opening night party mm-hmm. for that play, like what 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 kind of life lessons or career lessons sort of come to mind as being like the highlights 
I was really fortunate because none of the people on my show had any experience with success or celebrity on that scale before the show. So even Steve Carell wasn't Steve Carell. And I remember the moment. I knew one week before everyone else that Steve Carell was going to become Steve Carell because the cast of The Office went to the screening of 40-Year-Old Virgin. And I watched that movie, and I sat next to John Krasinski, and when it was over, I turned to him and said, Steve is going to blow up. And he said he's going to be a first and last name. He's going to be Steve Carell. Like, in one week, he's not going to be Steve anymore. He's going to be Steve Carell. He's a first and last name. And I was like, correct. Wow. And to see that happen, and to see Steve not change, was like one of the biggest gifts to the entire cast. Because, like, he was the leader of our show. And when the leader of your show, and there's a lot of power to being number one on the call sheet, the person who's number one on the call sheet has a very big responsibility and because they set the tone so if they bitch and complain and are late and are a diva it permits it to occur on the set it permits a culture of that on the set and Steve was none of those things in fact many times the AD would be like alright we're ready to go where's Steve where's Steve and we're like he, I think he's sitting over on the couch over there quietly waiting Like, he just didn't need to be the center of attention. He was there to do his job, and he had a big job, and he had to memorize a lot of stuff all the time. And he was just a solid, good guy and a great actor and a hard worker. And so that was one of the things that I took away from it. But also, I was very and am very uncomfortable with celebrity, my own celebrity. Um, I... I think that oftentimes people might have interactions with me that I maybe seem kind of jerky. I worry. Because I become very shy and embarrassed when I am uh, called out in public. And so I want to get away from that situation as quickly as possible. Hmm. So I'm like, yeah, 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 thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Uh (laughs) And um, so I'm wanting to like stop the interaction because I'm uncomfortable in the interaction, not because I'm ungrateful, not because I don't like people, not because I'm not nice. Um, And so I have a lot of compassion for that now that maybe I didn't have. Like I would have been like, oh yeah, did you hear? Such and such is a total bitch because she blah 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 blah. And I'm and I'll think that's one day in that girl's life. Why are you doing that to her? Yeah, yeah. Who you knows know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I'm like, come on. Like <laughs> I got stopped in the St. Louis airport, and someone wanted a photo with me the morning I was flying in for my grandmother's funeral. Do you know when you don't want to take a picture with someone when you're on your way to a funeral? But I'm not going to tell that person that because they're a stranger and it's not their business and they're just excited. And so I just took the picture. But it was like there's this incredible sadness in you where you just feel very isolated from the interaction that's going on because you're being totally phony. Like, yeah, so I'd love to take a picture. Let me smile right now when it's the last thing I want to do. And And so there's just like a loneliness to it because you can't really connect with people because it all feels so weird. 
Sometimes. Yeah. It's almost like they have a relationship with someone else that's not you. That is what I say all the time. Celebrity is like having a twin that everyone adores. And my twin's name is Pam Beasley, and everyone knows her, and she is everyone's best friend. And people come up to me and regard me like, oh my God, Pam! Even when they're saying Jenna, they're saying Pam. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 you mean my twin sister. I, I, you know, it's like, it's a twin you didn't know Pam had. And so there's this huge, like, I feel like I can never be anything but a disappointment in those interactions because I'm not Pam. And so even if I'm the nicest version of Jenna, I'm not Pam. And I used to really be jealous of Rain Wilson because Rain played Dwight on the show and Dwight was like this curmudgeon. And I would be out on the streets of New York or something like that with with rain and people would come up to him and be like oh my god it's dwight oh my god i love you and he would be like fuck off and they'd be like yeah that's so dwight <laughs> you know <laughs> like they were getting an experience like he could be like gruff and annoyed and all those things and they then people felt like great about it oh they felt god, great about amazing. the interaction you know oh like can i get a picture with you no Battlestar Galactica, man. (laughs) You know, but if I'm anything less than like your very best friend, I've disappointed you, is how I feel. Like, so I feel this pressure to sort of live up to this expectation, which like is an impossible thing to live up to all the time. It's an impossible thing to live up to when you're in a hurry, when you're on your way to a funeral, when you're with your kid, who I personally don't feel is appropriate to take attention away from. you know, for these things and, you know, try to shield them from, you know, that sort of thing. And then also just like people's expectation of all kinds of things, what you can get them, you know, Mm. can you get me tickets to blah, blah, blah. Can you get me tickets to Britney Spears? No. Why? Why would I be able to get you tickets to Britney Spears? No, I don't know. Britney Spears, you know, or just like, Hey, what, what do you know about Jen Aniston's divorce? I don't know. I don't know Jennifer Aniston. I don't know. You all hang out, right? All have, yeah, yeah, right? I'm like, so, I'm like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. So, uh, you know, those are like weird conversations to have. But, uh, but all of that is, it, it, it's very weird because there was part of wanting to be an actor that was wanting to be famous for me. Like there was an allure, you know, it looked fun. It looked fun to be on the red carpet. It looked fun to be at those parties. And you know when it's fun to be at those parties... It's fun to be at those parties at the very beginning, like the first year, when actually no one really wants to take your picture or interview you, but you're at the party. You're like steps from Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, who, by the way, are the most beautiful people on earth. I will (laughs) confirm that on this podcast. Um, That is like an amazing time. But then after that, it's a job, man. Like, it is a job. Those parties are not parties. They are promotion. And yeah. it is work. I also thought, like, oh, if I become famous, my social anxiety will go away. Okay, that oh. doesn't happen either, oh, by the way. God. Like, you don't get fixed, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> by success. So it's like, it, it's, it's, a really, it's a really weird experience. Yeah. It's really odd. Wow. I love. I just love you. Just said you don't get fixed by success. You don't get fixed. I think that is a wisdom, wisdom bomb right there. Yeah. That is just. 
I think a lot of us expect that when we get to the next level, we'll be, you know, quote unquote fixed. Yeah. That, like our problems will somehow dissolve and we'll be like happy and we'll be, we'll have money in the bank and that will solve so many great things. And all of a sudden life is, but wherever you go, there you are. And you're the same person. It amplifies it probably more than anything. Yeah. Success and celebrity yeah. and I would imagine. It's a weird thing. You know, I remember hearing something and I don't even know if this is true, but I remember hearing someone say that they had done a movie on an Eddie Murphy movie and everyone was told not to look him in the eye. And everyone was bitching about it. Like, can you believe that? Oh, you can't look Eddie Murphy in the eye. Can't look him in the eye. Like, everyone likes to talk about, like, what a jerk you are if you don't get looked in the eye. So then I did um, a movie with Will Ferrell called Blaze of Glory. Let me tell you what Will Ferrell's day is like. The second Will Ferrell walks out of his trailer, every single person stares at him. Can you fucking imagine that? Doesn't that make, wouldn't you feel like you're like in a zombie movie? You know that feeling in a zombie movie where you like walk out and all the zombies are like, mm. <laughs> you know, like staring at you, like for the food. Yeah. Will and then like they're sort of slowly walking toward you. <laughs> and then like from stepping out of his trailer to stepping in front of the camera. Hey, Will, how's it going? How was your weekend? Oh, dude, by the way, I got to tell you, I absolutely love that scene in old school where you blah, blah. Every transpo guy, every person mm. had... A little moment, something to say to him. Now, you are an actor. Like, I remember watching that and being like, how in the world does he remember anything? How does he focus? How does he get to set? The amount of work that he had to do on a social level from the time he stepped out of his trailer till he got on set, like, how did he? I can't do that. I couldn't, like, if someone talked to me the entire time and asked me questions, all the way before I stepped in front of the camera, I would not remember what I was doing or supposed to say or my intentions or my whatever. Now, Will doesn't have a don't look me in the eye rule. He doesn't have a don't talk to me rule. Like, he's a social person. So, like, he, I think, maybe that feeds his creativity. I don't know. Never asked him. I wish I had. Like, how do you do that? You know, he worked on our show. And, you, you know, in between scenes, you'd see him just, like, sitting back there talking to the crafty guy, just, like, asking about his son's new bike, you know? Just, like, this guy just talks to everybody. He's so nice. I, I like, can't... I couldn't do that. Now, I don't have that problem. Not everybody turns and stares at me when I walk from my trailer. Not everybody asks me a question. But it made me think back on that Eddie Murphy thing. And I was like, yeah, if Eddie Murphy is playing, like, five characters in a movie and he's trying to keep straight, okay, what did my what did I improv in that last scene as the mom that now I want to respond to as the dad? You know what you need to tell to, say to everybody? Shut the fuck up when I'm walking to set. Don't look me in the fucking eye. I'm, like, thinking about stuff. Mm. It's not because I'm arrogant. It's not because I think I'm all that. It's because I have a job to do, guys. I'm not here to talk about my weekend. And I'm not here to, like, make you laugh. I'm here to do a movie. And, like, it should be okay. It should be okay if an actor says, this is the space I need to create. And we shouldn't be, like... I, I, I don't like how, like, when an actor becomes famous, we have all these judgments about how they do their work or about how they get to where they need to get to. Like, we have to support each other as actors. Like, if that's what you need, that's what you need. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You, know, don't, you know, don't let your thing get in the way of another person's thing. Like, I heard a story about this very famous actress who, like, was doing this play, and the guy didn't want to say his lines for the first week of rehearsal. Like, he remained silent. 
So like they're rehearsing and like she's saying her lines and he just wanted to hear it. He just wanted to think his lines. Well, how the fuck is that helping her? She, it's not about you, dude. This is a two-person play. You got what, what about her process? So I think that, like, I judge that. I'll say, I judge <laughs> that. You know, like, do that work. If you want to do that, hire someone to read lines with you. Right. You know, make that your own separate work that you bring into the rehearsal space. But, like, if your thing is like, hey, guys, I just need to let you know before every performance, uh, before I go out on stage, like, I, I just need to listen to music. I can't talk to anybody. Fine. Who cares? I'm not going to take that personally. Like, hi, I'm Eddie Murphy. I just want you to know, like, please don't, like, stare at me and, like, ask me a bunch of questions when I'm trying to be five different characters. Yeah. And by the way, I don't even know if this is true about Eddie Murphy. I'm <laughs> right, just, like, right. giving it, it as an example. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that, like, as artists, our job is to, like... Like, that's another thing I learned from doing the show. I, I remember, like, trying to say to somebody, oh, man, you should, have, you should hear about Steve's experience on this movie that he did, I'm like, it sounded so hard. I don't even know how he did it. He must have just like, he worked so hard on that. And and she goes, she goes, he's getting paid enough money. Like it's cynical. Just like, where's the cynicism all of a sudden? Like, yeah. why? I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. He's not allowed to have a bad day because he gets paid a lot of money for what he does. Like he's, I watch this man work every day. Like he, he's a hard worker. He's a generous person. Like yeah. he's never allowed to ever have a complaint now or something. Like, I guess, I don't know. So yeah. it's like, you know, dealing with that sort of just like, like I, you know, I, I can't have a political opinion without being a Hollywood liberal. You know, it's like people like to cut you off at the knees. Um, I don't know what that's about because I just think that like, we're all part of, we're just all artists and artists are sensitive people and we're all just doing our best. The cynicism that like, everyone's just like trying to make a buck or like, they're just trying to like, cynicism about the way films or television shows are made like that it's all it's all just for advertising or whatever it is like whatever the cynicism is I have to say like I don't encounter that I see a bunch of people who from the time they were kids loved movies Hmm. who just wanted to make stuff and they're still just making it and they're doing their best even the stuff that doesn't turn out good everyone's just doing their very best and you know, I, I haven't. I have never been on a project where I didn't feel like everyone was just giving it their all, genuinely for the love of making stuff. And so, yeah, I guess I learned that stuff. I don't know. That's was that helpful? Yeah, that's re- that's really great <laughs> to have that perspective. Um, and it, it brings up all sorts of questions for me about like culture and. What is our relationship to success and money uh, on a larger scale as, as a culture? And like that cynicism that that person brought gets my wheels turning about like, well, what was the story there? You know? And, yeah. And, and I've, you know, had that thought too. Like, you know, I watch NFL players complain about stuff. I'm like, come on guys, you're getting like what? $13 million a year <laughs> no. to play for an hour a week. But then you don't see all the other stuff that goes into that. And I know. And we like, all have that. I mean, it's yeah, like you all yeah. part of it, but like, it's like a good. It's good to kind of check it sometimes. Yeah, you totally, know? totally. Well, the, the the compassion that's required to to check it is, I think, what's important. Yeah, and, and to, to to honestly to celebrate what that person's up to in their life. I mean, they're they're contributing to our culture in a massive way, and they're giving of themselves and their talents and their time. And it's like, why 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 is that a bad thing that they are financially successful as well? I don't know. It, it gets me gets me going. Um, <laughs> so we have a couple questions we like to sort of 
and our, our, our conversations with, do you feel like this career path, this life path chose you or did you choose it? I think I chose it, but it chose me back. So I, you know, there was nothing in my childhood or upbringing that should have indicated that, um, you know, I was going to be an actress. Uh, it wasn't a part of my family, but it was, it, um, it was a preoccupation. It was an obsession. And, um, and so I pursued it, hmm. but it pursued me back. So, um, yeah. So I think both, but it, I think it started with me. Hmm. Awesome. I'll bet. Um, the second question is if, and you may have already answered this, who knows if, if you could take all of the experiences that you've had from KPD Blue to <laughs> to, uh, to the office to you know being a mom and uh, having a family and all that stuff. If you could take all of the experiences that you've had and boil it down to one nugget of advice, what is your sort of what would you want to leave as your legacy? The thing that you want people to know to support them on their on their journey on their path. Um. I would want them to know you are enough. You're enough. Just you, by yourself, are enough. Um, What you have to offer is valuable. And don't forget it. Like, I think that, I think maybe that, that, that's what I would want my children to know, that, you know, they're enough. And and also, I think, I don't know. That's a good question. What else could I say? I don't know. I think, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's ironic that you're searching for more when. When I said you're enough, I know, right? Oh, maybe I need to take my own advice. Point that out. Uh, <laughs> Gently. So yeah. So good. Uh, well, you used the word legacy when you asked that question, and that was actually my third question. So we totally answered it. It's like my. I just wanted to know, like, what. What do you want to? you know not to be morbid about it but Mm -hmm. you know many many years from now you're on your deathbed what do you hope that this world is left with uh, from your being here and it sounds like that's it yeah I um, you know we talked about how my goal was to be on a a series regular on an ensemble comedy show and I did that and my other goal in life was to be a wife and mom and so when I had achieved the success of the television show, um, it occurred to me that I, I hadn't made much progress on that other goal, you know, uh, that it turns out I had married the wrong person to make that goal happen for me, uh, the way I had envisioned it, the way that I wanted that family to look. I've been spending a lot of time actually working on that second goal of being a wife and a homemaker, which I love calling myself a homemaker. I love making a home. I love being the CEO of my home. I love running (laughs) my home. I love being the matriarch of my family. I love being a mom. And I love making that the center of my life now. And um, I'm also still an artist. but, um, But the greatest joy that I get now and the greatest meaning I get in my life is, uh, is through raising my kids. And, and I feel completely like confident and settled in that, in taking the time to do that. And I often said, 
if there's a lot of opportunities that I miss out on or that I can't do because I'm making this a priority now, that's okay. If, if a job doesn't fit into the, the growth and well-being of my family, then it's not a job I need to have. I saved all my office money, guys. I saved it <laughs> so that so that I could um, so that I could live off of it in these years now when I'm being a mother. I think maybe maybe my my next goal is like I could return to television as like Doris Roberts on Everybody Loves Raymond, oh, like the funny God. grandma, you know. <clears throat> And just, uh, but I'll just take a break. And the great thing about that is I don't have to age on camera, hmm. right? I can just, you'll just see me in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. But I am, That's I am. That's exactly why I we started working. an audio podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. No other reason. Yeah. That's right. Then we don't have to age on camera. Yeah. Um, Janet, thank you so much. My experience uh, in just meeting you and getting to spend a, a little bit of time with you is that you practice what you preach in terms of being a generous person and being um, open and supportive and doing the, the, the things that you s- say make this world a better place, like you're practicing it. Thank you. If people, why, this is a funny question with somebody at your level, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to right now, like I know you have a, a Twitter account, is there any anything yeah. else that people can, in terms of like keeping up with what you're up to, if you're going to self-produce yeah. something at some point I don't know what to say I have I have a Twitter and an Instagram if you want to see pictures of I, I like to recreate my dinner out of Play-Doh um, as there's a lot of those on my Instagram Chad um, <laughs> was having a freak out over there so there's a lot of like miniature Play-Doh meal recreations oh my of my food because my son loves to play with Play-Doh and like when you play Play-Doh like four times a day like I had to like what am I what can I do to get through this it gets a little so monotonous you made it creative I love it yeah so I take a picture of my dinner and then the next day I recreate it out of Play-Doh so if you want to see that you can go to my Instagram which is uh, Ms. Jenna Fisher MS Jenna Fisher. And then my Twitter uh, is mostly me ranting about gun control right now. So if you want to help me stop gun violence in our country, you can follow my Twitter. Um, but I promise eventually I'll start posting like fun pictures of my Dundies and, again, which I do from time to time. <laughs> or whatever, you know, like I, I, I'll be fun on my Twitter too. But uh, I do have a passion for that right now. Um, awesome. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do have a new show coming out. It's going to be on NBC. I, I shot a. It's a London-based show. It's called You, Me, and the Apocalypse. It stars me, Megan Mullally, Rob Lowe, and a bunch of British stars. Oh my god! It's great. That sounds amazing, right? Awesome. It's a great show, and it's about um, this weird group of people that are stuck in an underground bunker uh, under the town of Slough. Um, which incidentally is where the original office was set. Mm-hmm. Whoa, full so, circle. Right? That's a weird synchronicity too, <laughs> yeah. huh? Like I guess I only do television shows with slough references. <laughs> but um, and then and you find out that the end of the world has happened and we're like the final survivors. And then it rewinds 34 days and you see how we all wound up in the bunker. I play a librarian who's in prison. Uh, for hacking into the NSA's computers, but I didn't do it. I'm just covering for my 13-year-old son. And uh, while I'm there, Megan Mullally, who plays a career criminal white supremacist, uh, befriends me. You've never seen her like this. You don't even recognize her. Oh, my God. The end of the world happens. There's a prison break. And now Megan and I have to travel uh, from New Mexico all the way to Washington, D.C., 
trying to get back to our families before the end of the world. We sort of go across the country Thelma Louise style. Oh my God. And it is a great, fun, it was such a great role for me. I was literally out of the office. Like, I, we were on location all the time. I get to, like, hold up a convenience store. I take someone hostage. I do all these things because, you know, morality shifts when there's only 30 days to live and, and you have the, you just want to see your family before you die. And so the stakes are really high, but it's, it's also comedic. Rob Lowe plays this um, alcoholic priest who is, uh, the Vatican assigns him to find both the Antichrist and the second coming of Christ oh before the world ends. So that's his storyline. And there's a bunch of British stars. And it, and it's, it started airing in London last week. So it's, it's airing there now. And NBC bought it for American distribution. It's going to air here in the U.S. starting in January or February. I don't know the night or time yet, but I'm sure they'll start. There'll be news about this oh, show. Yeah. That's so, so that's, that's the show that I did. You, me, and the apocalypse. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for yeah, that. That's for great. Sure. Super fun. Cool. Super fun. Like, guess Jenna Fisher's new show premiering tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Jenna, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much you for your guys. generosity. This has been a lot of fun. I, I know I've learned a lot just sitting across and, and speaking with you. So thank you for being here. What you guys are doing is so valuable. This podcast for artists and actors and the information that you're bringing them is so great. And I'm so glad I found you. I'm inspired by your podcast. I hope people know how valuable you're giving them access to um, advice from working professionals. And there's just like nothing better than that in any in any job, you know, at all. And I just love that you guys are doing this and your interest in how it works, I think, is like such an important part of sticking with it being able to I wish I could interview you guys actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone welcome back as we bid adieu to another incredible interview I'm just ah I'm so grateful for the podcast there we go. What am I thankful for, Trevor? I'm thankful for the podcast. <laughs> there you go. The podcast actually brought me, uh, brought Jasmine and I together. So there you go. Yes, it um, did. I, I'm so grateful for the podcast. I'm so grateful that um, we get an opportunity to do this. I'm so grateful for Jenna and her generosity, her extreme generosity, yeah. uh, bringing us into her home and and uh, and just giving us so much of her time and you know letting us in on like some some you know, secret stuff that she's working on that, you know, obviously is secret. So I don't want to talk about it, but just like, she's just been so open and so generous and <clears throat> such a fantastic interview. And people are obviously responding to it online, which is also great. It's, it's introducing, you know, new people to the, to the podcast that are interested in, in her and her work. And everybody's just got nothing but good things to say. And what just, ah, what a fantastic human. <laughs> She makes us look really good. Yeah. Gotta say. <laughs> more, more like she makes us look really bad because we're just not as cool uh, as she. Yeah, because it kind of cuts both ways. But yeah, I'm going to just echo those sentiments just for the record. Um, Jenna, you're amazing. Thank you so much again for everything that you've contributed to the community, to countless numbers of actors' journeys, uh, and to us personally, and just showing us what it looks like to be an awesome, awesome person. All right. Well, then I think that about does it then for another episode of Inside Acting, yeah? Yeah, man. Let's wrap this bad boy up. 
All right, y'all. Uh, before you head off and eat a ton of turkey or, you know, vegan turkey or stuffing <laughs> or potatoes or whatever you eat, it's all good, man. It is all good. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced. <laughs> Why did they qualify that? What are you doing, Trevor? Very strange. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algod and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubarek is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. I had to catch myself. Like, yes, we are. Yes, she's still using Smith. Her, Smith as, her a, correct. as an actor. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, she's our community manager. She rocks and she's taken. Sorry, guys. Uh, Trevor <laughs> Helgott Trevor Helgott edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes and your reviews there are hugely appreciated. And can I just add the last seven episodes between Steve Rohr and Jenna Fish? Like, holy crap, what an education on the entertainment industry um inside and out uh absolutely yeah. amazing yeah translation uh five stars please five stars <laughs> uh <laughs> that was not I, was, I wasn't begging for compliments but uh yeah five stars but, you know yeah go ahead don't don't let it stop you uh special thanks to our sponsors rehearsal pro and vo to gogo.com and thanks to you our listeners if you dig inside acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career Go ahead and sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, discounts on upcoming merchandise, and more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. And that membership is about to blow up. You have no idea. I wish I could tell you listeners what is about to happen there because it would just be a no-brainer. Everybody would be signing up for it. It's about to get cray-cray up in the membership. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. We got some cool stuff in the pipeline that, uh, that we're putting together. It is really exciting. Oh, and before we forget, we uh, wanted to announce that we are taking uh, next week off in celebration of the holiday. So uh, enjoy your families. You know, take some time. Be with your families. Be thankful. We are thankful for you. Um, we're going to take the week off, and, and maybe you should too, or at least a few days, or at least a day, Thanksgiving. Um, but we didn't want to. <laughs> we didn't want to like just not publish an episode without letting you know. So uh, taking the week off next week, and we'll see you uh, the week after, which I think is the eighth. Is that right? December eighth. Uh, yeah, something like that. Let me see here. Yeah. That is December eighth. Yeah, we'll see you uh, with the the first of a new interview series on December eighth. Yes, sir. All right, that is it for episode 216. Wow, 216 of Inside Acting. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, inspire yourself. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, be VO curious. <laughs>